You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, it results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. Today I have with me William Shorten, and let me tell you, you are going to love this guest. And if you are thinking that digital transformation was about robots and technology and teaching your mom how to use the iPad, I have something else for you today. But we're going to talk with a really uh, experienced coach and leadership and development uh, professional to really hear what does this conundrum of digital and yet people like how does it collide how does it meet up how do we not be robots so William Shorten welcome to the podcast thanks very much indeed Priscilla absolutely fantastic to be here real pleasure to uh, to join you today thank you well, you and I can shoot the shit about so much, whether it's business, whether it's leadership, whether it's in especially thought leadership and about teams and training and really actually caring about people and saying, how do people come to work, really feel like they can be fulfilled as a person, as a professional, and yet also really being activated at a very high level to do their best and brightest work day in and day out. That seems to me to be your focus. Absolutely. Now, I think it's it's a key part. I mean, it was key anyway before we experienced what we have experienced in the last 18 months. And I think it's even more important these days that all the things that you mentioned there are, are in play. So organizations are really having to show that they're out there, that they're supporting their employees, uh, they're giving them the opportunity to, to grow and develop in these kind of challenging circumstances. So with what we've seen in the last 18 months, what we're hearing at the moment in terms of how people's mindsets have changed, uh, the fact that they are very comfortable working at home for a lot of people now, they've adapted into this this new system, uh, which does bring a kind of more digital outlook into the way that we're working now that we're not all in the same uh, actual workspace with one another. And and how we how we kind of blend those different requirements that people have got uh, and also at the same time, make sure that people are operating in a, in a safe space. Uh, and as I said at the start, they've got the support that they're looking for from their, their colleagues and their managers. Well, I don't want to digress too much because I definitely want to come back to this about the support and really the way that people invest in teams. But I want to digress for just a minute because I want your take on something that's been you know, thrown around in the media recently. And that is about supply chain. 
And um, people are talking about how supply chain is such a nightmare because of COVID, because of shipping, because of, you know, uh, you know, long uh, distance truckers, maybe even I was just out in California and we had a, you know, an anchor that was dragged and a pipe that, you know, exploded. And, you know, so now we've got oil all over California. We've got, you know, in Long Beach, we've got, you know, tankers lined up, container ships, all this kind of stuff. But at the heart of this supply chain problem is people. (laughs) So I am curious if you think I am just a complete nutter, or if you think there is something about the disruption, it's not just about COVID, but there was another layer of people not investing in their teams, you know, really creating environments that you already mentioned that weren't safe, um, and not really being able to, um, to love their job or even really perform their job super well. Do you think there is something about this and a lack of leadership development that's affecting our supply chain on the large scale? I think there's so many different factors at play here that there's a number of different levels and those levels as well will change depending on where you are and local circumstances. So you've got a great big global piece which fits over the top of this, which has been COVID and People suddenly had to shrink supply chains. There were a lot more checks that had to be put in place to make sure that there was the safe transfer of of goods throughout the world. Uh, So I think there was that global effect. And then within certain localities, you also had local factors which came into play. So you talked about kind of a lack of of truckers, et cetera, um, uh, and freighters uh, in, in the U.S., We've had the same in in the UK as well. Uh, Big problems in in shifting goods around. Um, There's a lot of stories going around in the newspapers that the the holidays, Christmas holidays are going to be cancelled because nothing's going to be able to get here in in, in time. And I think you're seeing that effect to a greater or lesser degree uh, in in many different parts, uh, in many different geographies around the world. And I think, you know, you've got these these huge factors, which which is COVID. You've got kind of political, socio-economic factors that are also at play. And then, yeah, you've probably got also uh, other things that people have have looked at what they're doing and decided, well, actually, I don't want to be doing that. Uh, I don't necessarily feel valued or cared for within my organisation. I'm going to go and do something else. Um, We're now beginning to see a shift back because suddenly, you know, people are advertising for, uh, for freight drivers and things like that. The amount of money that's being quoted for those kind of roles, you know, has has increased a lot. So, you know, perhaps we'll see a correction in the job market, which will attract new people who weren't there before because, you know, they see it as an opportunity. Mm -hmm, For sure. And I think there's a lot to be said, and I love your layer approach here to global supply chain, but let's bring it over to where you and I live in that B2B delivery world, because I think nobody expected there to be a quote unquote supply chain issue with thoughts and, um, you know, B2B services where, you know, even from our side, you know, we're stopped up in terms of marketing. People are, you know, stopped up in terms of delivering research, stopped up in terms of delivering, you know, even leadership and training and being able to meet the way that they need to meet. So tell me how this impacts and maybe it's, it is maybe a different story, but I think they run along the same, you know, parallel lines. So now we'll bring it over to our world. Um, what do you think this looks like in terms of what it takes to bring someone in the B2B world up to speed to be able to really do their job well now in this new future of work. 
again, I think there's so many different factors that are that are at play here. Um, you know, it's almost like people use the metaphor, don't they? That you know, you whip away the tablecloth and suddenly all the plates go up in the air, uh, and we've got to kind of see how they land, if they still land intact. Uh, you know, whether there's any breakage at all in terms of of, of how they land. So. You know, I think we've still got to wait to see how things are going to end up. But I think as well, you know, we've had this kind of paradigm shift that COVID has brought about. Um, people are beginning to gather their ideas about what the future is going to look like. But I think we've still got some distance before we arrive there. And that's where this kind of readjustment is, is going on. So, you know, for people in, in supply chain, I think they're trying to figure out exactly now what, what customers want what the flow and style of life is going to be. You know, if we look at some of the simple things, you know, you think about urban centres, um, you know, where people, certainly in the UK, used to have offices. Now, you know, many people aren't going into the offices. So it's that kind of knock-on ripple effect that's going out. So the support services that used to be there in the day to look out for those uh, urban workers, especially things like restaurants, um, bars, coffee houses, all of that kind of stuff, all of those have been affected. So they're having to go through this readjustment to say, actually, we can't just be a static place. We've got to be kind of more proactive in terms of going out and perhaps doing deliveries rather than expecting people to come here. And, you know, that's having an effect then on, on certain levels of stock that they're going to hold because they might not need what they, they had before. They might not need it in the quantities. And all of that, you know, in a classic kind of supply chain, uh, you've got the bullwhip effect, if you like, of you've got something that's happening at a local level, but then how long is it taking to go down that chain and then come back again? So I think it's all of those kind of effects which are taking place. And I think also people are... You know, people have re-evaluated what's important to them and what they expect out of services. And I'm still really amazed that there are, there are services out there which don't seem to have made the adjustment that's been required, are still kind of hiding behind the fact that COVID came 18 months ago. I mean, you still have voice recordings when you try and dial into your bank or whatever, uh, saying, you know, we're under increased pressure because of COVID. You know, I accept that it's difficult for businesses uh, but really, 18 months on, you need to be playing a different response than saying, you know, something that was put in place 18 months ago. Right, right. Well, let's talk about a different response and let's bring it home even closer for you. So leadership and development is the name of your game and you have been coaching for a very long time and there have been, you know, ebbs and flows of what people are expecting in terms of L&D. But tell me about your day-to-day -day and what you're thinking about how people needed to pivot. What is it that they need most now? What should we be thinking about when we think about, you know, training and investing in our people alongside the true realities of digital transformation? It's it's a fascinating question to ask, Priscilla. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the last 18 months have kind of been an amazing period. 18 months ago, when, when COVID bought, there was this kind of mad scrabble for, for everything to go online and to go virtual. And, and the interesting thing was, of course, all of the technology, all of these approaches existed well before COVID kind of uh, occurred. And what, what COVID, as, as everybody said, for, from CTOs to chief executives, COVID was really the, the kind of catalyst 
that, that made all of these things happen in, in such a short period of time. So, so people switched to, to virtual. And, and I think what I would say, what was encouraging from the start, you know, when we have a lot of these contractions or impacts on, on, on the financial, on the economics of organizations, in the past, it's perhaps been a cliche that one of the things they do, first of all, to cut costs is to, is to cut back on training. Mm. And, and I don't think a lot of organizations did that because they recognized that they were entering into this, this new paradigm, into this, into this new arena. And one of the things that was going to be required was to support and to train their individuals, their, their employees as they went through this. And they didn't necessarily know quite what that meant, but they wanted to make sure that support was in place. Mm. And I think as well, you've got the formal aspects of uh, leadership development or learning and development. And then you've got the kind of more informal with the coaching side. And I think, you know, a lot of organizations recognize that coaching was going to be an important way to support their managers. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about this VUCA world, the volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world. And when you live in that kind of world, you know, when we think back, there weren't any ready answers for us because none of us had experienced anything like this before. So the coaching is not there because, you know, coaches as coaches, we don't have the answer. We're there to try to facilitate and support people to come up with a with an answer. So I think that was a really important part of it. So there, there was there was that kind of the, the, the triage, the band aid that was put over at the start, both in terms of a kind of a, a short term solution and also to buy some time for L&D to work out, OK, what's this going to mean for us and, and how are we going to need to adapt to support people in organisations? And I think now we're getting to that stage where we've, you know, come out of the side of that and people, you know, again, are trying to look more into the future and to say, OK, what are we going to have to do to rebalance L&D to meet the future needs of businesses? And I think, you know, to tap into one of those things that we talked about earlier, when you look at the way that businesses are going to be set up with this more kind of hybrid where you're still going to have people operating in a, in a virtual world they're not necessarily going to be going into the office um, five days a week it's going to be a much shorter period of time and I, and I think managers senior managers and directors need to get their heads around okay how are we going to organize our workforce how are we going to balance out you know the practical sides of we've got all this real estate it's not necessarily going to be optimized 100% of the time, but how can we make sure we utilize our assets? And as individuals and as managers, how are we going to continue to be able to manage people effectively when we're not seeing them, you know, 180% of the time in, in the office? Yeah. So I and think, you know, it's really interesting what you said there a while back. I want to unpack it just because it was a, it was a, just a small little thing you said, and I thought, oh man, this 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 is can be missed. But sometimes, you know, we make a change, and we're looking and saying, how do we now respond? best for our people? How do we look at our leaders? How do we assess what they need? And I think the danger is then saying that the thing in the in-betweeny time is the thing we're going to do forever. We're not. We're going to be flexible. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, take a look, assess, kind of hunker down, make sure we're taking care of the best and brightest. But now we've got to have a new future. We've got to be looking much, much further out. So 
as you look further out, um, when you think about the many things you do in coaching from one-to-one to, you know, major, you know, uh, 360 assessments, or you do large team things, you know, or even advising HR teams about, you know, what is the next, you know, trend in hiring, or how should we be thinking about even the kind of place where people would come to land? What are you thinking about in that terms, farther out? What What's coming next? So I think linked to, to what you were just saying there, I mean, one of the things is, and, and it's a word that's been used, perhaps overused a lot in the last 10 or so years, but it, it's this kind of agile mindset. Mm-hmm. Because I, I swear, think, I thought I thought you were going to say pivot, but agile, same thing. So go for it. <laughs> same, 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 same thing. Flexible, adaptable. Uh, same you know, again, 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 you know, be, being in this in this in this environment where we're not quite sure about what the future is going to look like, there's still a great degree of uncertainty out there. Um, I think you have to be w- ready to 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 pivot, to adapt uh, to what you what you find in front of you. At the same time, you want to have this vision, you know, for the longer term where you hope you're going to get to, but it's not guaranteed or assured that that you are going to get there. So I think what it means is you have this vision about the organization that you want to try to develop and the people that you're going to need in order to do that. So you're going to want talent. At the same time, you're going to make sure that your organization is going to be attractive for those people to work in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite what that means, I think, in the short term, that's going to mean uh, organisations being prepared to perhaps give a bit more, to sell themselves a bit more, rather than, you know, here we are, take us or leave us type of approach. So I think um, you're going to have to make sure that you're kind of dynamic um, and people are going to be attracted to, to, to work there. So, again, to have that flexibility you know, you're not going to be asking people necessarily to come into the office five, five days a week. You're going to have to trust people an awful lot more, I think, in this environment, as we've seen in the last 18 months. And I think you're going to have to also show them how they're going to be able to grow and develop in that organization so that, um, you know, there is always this kind of balance, if you like, between employers and employees. And I think, you know, what we've seen in the last 18 months is that that's ticked a little bit more towards employees Mm -hmm. and employers are going to have to kind of adapt to that and develop themselves to be more attractive. Right, right. Well, one of the real pinpoint reasons I asked you to come on, besides the fact that I think you're very cool, um, but one of the other reasons is that um, I was thinking about how you go about measuring some of these strides that your leadership and development, um, you know, core group is doing. And I know, you know, you and I are associated with DLA Ignite. And of course, we're looking at social markers. Um, it, It is very easy to tell if someone is telling you that they are growing and learning um, in how to actually engage with people online and work in this new, um, you know, method of working, which is very, very digital, um, very social and very digital all at the same time. Um, So we can see these markers, whether it is an SSI score, whether it's just simple amount of engagement that they're getting online, um, or if it's a number of conversations, if they're a sales person, or if an HR department is able to shave, you know, half of their budget of recruitment because they're very effective, you know, with social, whatever that is. 
But I am interested to hear from your perspective and as we, you know, digitize some of this leadership and development, I know that you, there's courses, we can see how people are moving and excelling and we're not interested in that short term. We know that people have to take a long time to, you know, to change habits and change, really grow into this leadership. So how do you put together that idea of, yes, it is very personal. It is very subjective. But at what point does it get objective? And at what point can we say digitally, we can measure what you're doing? What are some of your thoughts there? I, I think you've covered part of, part of the range there, which is that there's no doubt about it. There's hard metrics where you, know, you can be measuring and you can be talking about outputs and it's more kind of quantifiable. The stuff that looks at the, the kind of the quality and the behaviors and habits as you talk about is is something that's much harder to to, to measure um, and I think you know especially when it comes down to a coaching approach it's why you need to be very clear at the outset of why you're taking part in a kind of intervention why you're supporting somebody and it's really one of the things that I always do at the start after I've determined actually whether the client wants to work with me mm-hmm. and I want to work with them is you know the next stage is to sit down and have what's called a, a triad meeting with their manager and you know that's about being really clear on okay what is it that we're wanting the the, the coachee to be focusing on what if anything can we be using as a measure to say this is the performance at the moment you know this is where we would like the step change to happen and therefore, these are kind of some of the steps on, on that journey that we would be expecting that person to go through. Right. And once you start the journey, usually you'd be signing up for something like six coaching sessions. But by the time you've got to number three, you're again having a meeting with the manager to assess, OK, have they seen any changes? Mm-hmm. You know, are we going in the direction that we, we have planned to? Mm-hmm. And also, again, because you have to be kind of adaptable on that journey. Actually, the journey that you start with may not be where, where you finish. And if there is going to be any change, then that's a discussion to have and say, we thought that this was the main area. But on talking with the coachee, it's mm-hmm. not A, it's, it's now going to be B or C or something mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it, it is about that, that clarity right at the start of the process. And, and as you talked about, you know, when it comes to kind of behaviours, and habits it's much harder to concretely say because it is so subjective how far somebody has has gone on a journey mm-hmm. and i think it's it's probably a cop out from you know perhaps some of your listeners would think but part of this is actually giving the coachy confidence mm-hmm. to be able to move forward and mm-hmm. you can you can you know you can look at the start of the journey and see the person who is before you at that point and then at the end of the journey, and it's, it's very difficult to put your finger on and say, I'm measuring this A or B or C, mm-hmm. but you do get a real sense that that person has, has grown and developed mm-hmm. as an individual and is now better placed to be able to, doing, to do the work that they're, they're doing. 
Right. Well, I love it because for me, I talk with so many other people are talking about the, the technology of digital transformation. We're talking about the marketing automation of digital transfer. We're talking about actually even the way we actually, uh, you know, line up our, our days, line up the calls, do it. Like there's so much technology happening, but it is good to remember that as we uh, are, you know, digitizing more and more of our workday, the leadership and development has to still understand that there is that very subjective side to it. And it is the person that needs to be able to incorporate digital activities into what they do. But if you abandon the real training and coaching of the individual, you will not be able to have a sustainable or predictable performance from the team. I, I, and that I, that I think is the absolute key. And one of the things which you know, attracted me in the first place to, to the DNA offering and, and something I think is really critical in any training you do. Yeah, to come along, we can all go along and we can, we, we, we've done it plenty of times. We've gone along to a training course. We've sat down in a room or online for half a day, a day, three days, five days, whatever it happens to be. And we come out of that process and we think, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff on in there. But how quick do we forget it if there is, you know, no uh, reminder, if there's nothing really to kind of check in and say, how are you getting on? How are you applying this? And I think that's the necessity of having some kind of follow up. If, if it's coaching, that's great. Some of these concepts that we're talking about, you know, in terms of digital, it, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Go off and do this. And we both faced it with people that we've worked with. You know, why after after going through that training, two or three weeks later, people are still not doing it. Right. And it's because, you know, they've got obstacles in their own mind, which have got probably nothing to do with digital. But, have, you know, other events have happened which have produced these kind of blockages. So it's about trying to understand something which isn't necessarily digitally related, but is having an impact on, you know, bringing digital habits yeah, and trying to make sure that you're supporting that person to understand why they might have these issues and problems with, with implementing what's being taught and supporting them and enabling them to get that different perspective and then to say, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to give this a go and, and try to build up their confidence mm -hmm. in order that they're going to start becoming more digital in their behavior. Oh, yes, exactly. That is such that that's such the both sides of the same coin. I love it. You need to connect with William Shorten if you haven't already heard uh, just enough indicators that this guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to people and really helping people realize the professional career that they want to have and how you can go about investing in your team. And, you know, there's just so many skills that William brings to the table as a professional certified coach. You know, he has his own freelance and you need to look him up on LinkedIn. It's William Shorten. And I'll, I'll spell it for you, even though to me, this one's a really easy one, but William, W-I-L-L-I-A-M, Shorten, S-H-O-R-T-E-N. He's very easy to find online. It is a more common name. So you'll see his, uh, right after his name, um, his uh, professional certified coaching, the PCC. Right after that, you'll know you have the right person. Also, we'll put in the show notes, the actual organization that he and I circle around, which is DLA Ignite. That's DLAignite.com. You can go check that out. But when it comes to really thinking through a smart way to understand digital transformation as it relates to you know, key leadership in your team, 
definitely, if you have questions, give uh, William a shout. He's always online and he'll always answer questions. I happen to know this for a fact. <laughs> That's really kind, Priscilla. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something I've got a real passion for is, is supporting people in a variety of different ways. Uh, as you said, I'm an ICF accredited coach to professional uh, certified coach level which for those who, who don't, don't know, means you've, you've done over 500 hours of coaching. So uh, certainly the coaching side, but also when it comes to things like leadership development, learning and development, uh, I really enjoy working in that space. It's something I came to about five years ago. Before that, I worked in a variety of other functions. Uh, thank you very much indeed for sharing my contact, uh, contact details. I'll be more than happy if, uh, if anybody gets in contact to, to try and help in whatever way that I can. I love it. Well, just a while ago, somebody had asked me, oh, what are you here for? They were talking about this one particular conference. And I just turned around to them. I said, well, I'm in it for the learning. And I thought, you know what? It's not for this conference, but my relationships, everything else, I'm here. I'm in it for the learning. And I thought, gosh, I wish I had thought about that phrase a long time ago. But that really, to me, defines who you are, uh, William. I'm in it for the learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every day is a school day. Um... (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us, William. You're more than welcome. Thanks a lot, Priscilla. I've really enjoyed it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.